It's Scary Tale Time. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us again for some more incredible stories. Now, today is one of those days where we're going to uh, go to our catalog of Alvin Schwartz stories and we're going to share some of those with you. So that'll be what we're going to be talking about today. But I'm I'm not going to tell you specifically what stories because these are going to deal with a subject called urban legends. Now, before we get started with those... I just want to uh, welcome all of our new listeners, if we have any out there today. Hello, welcome. So glad that you could help us or come join us. Go ahead, have a seat. It's fine. Make yourself comfortable. Kick your feet up. Uh, if you need a drink, uh, there's probably some in your refrigerator. Enjoy it. Um, and if you like what you hear and you're enjoying your time with us, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button and join us each and every Friday for a new episode of something very entertaining, something that'll just grab your attention and take you out of that uh, world that you're in and bring you into a whole new world of incredible stories. And uh, because we're so nice and kind over here at Richard and Gary's Incredible Stories, I'll tell you what, not only is today's episode going to be free, but we're going to treat you to free episodes every Friday. You won't even have to worry about paying a penny, completely free of charge, our gift to you. Oh, that's pretty generous. And Quite an offer. Uh, it's a hard offer to refuse, Gary. Uh, well, we're very giving over here. Yes. And <clears throat> tonight, uh, the stories once again come from the fertile imagination of Alvin Schwartz. Now, Alvin Schwartz was born almost 100 years ago, Gary, 1927. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, we're fast approaching his uh, 100th uh, anniversary. Unfortunately, he didn't live to super old age. He died uh, in 1992, just short of his uh, 65th birthday. He was an American author. He wrote more than 50 books in his lifetime, and a lot of them were uh, dedicated to young readers. Uh, They were intended for young readers, as as you well know. Uh, It's amazing to think that this man who was so prolific in, in writing books that are popular to this day uh, was the son of a New York City, a Brooklyn actually, taxi driver. His dad uh, drove taxis in Brooklyn. It, it seems strange, but almost fitting, because if you think about it, taxi drivers have great stories. Yes, yeah, they're great conversationalists. They are, you have to be. Mm-hmm. And anyways, um, uh, you know, uh, the thing that brought uh, Alvin Schwartz to your attention were some of his gruesome, nightmarish Uh, books. Uh, He wrote a series of three, and the first one was called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yes, and if you want to know more about that, uh, we have an episode about Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, But hands down, one of my favorite book series. It's, you know, I think when you're a young person and you're getting into reading, you have to have materials that spark your interest. And I love ghost stories, I love scary things. That's not my only interest. I have a lot more interest than just scary things, but it's yes, one of my do. it's one of my big interests. I love those kind of things. Um, and the great thing about Alvin Schwartz's books is that um, 
he adapts stories. And what I mean by that is he goes around and collects stories from all different types of sources, all different types of sources. And then he puts his spin on it. So it is a classic story, but with his touch. And so like one of my favorites uh, that I can remember scared the living daylights out of me when I was a kid, the big toe was an, an adaptation of the golden arm, which goes back hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many uh, readers were just like you, Gary. They said, wow, this is terrific stuff. And the, consequently, uh, there were, the sales were huge. And so he went on to do a sequel to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and that was called More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And that was very successful, and he went on to another sequel, Scary Stories 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bones. Yep, yep. So he uh, he is the master of scary stories told in the dark, and that means, folks, uh, you have time before Gary starts to tell the stories to dim the lights or even put the lights out. Uh, sit down in the dark. Maybe if you have a fireplace, uh, sit next to a roaring fire in the fireplace. That would be the only light I would suggest. And listen in the dark with your eyes closed, and maybe you'll get maximum, uh, maximum benefit from hearing these stories. And before you start, though, Gary, uh, he has some other books that very few people know about because Scary Stories is such a blockbuster. You know, that's what everybody thinks of when they think of Alvin Schwartz. But he had a, a kid's book <clears throat> that I like called Flapdoodle, Pure Nonsense from American Folklore. Yeah. Uh, who's heard of that? Nobody's heard of that. How about There's a Carrot in My Ear and Other Noodle Tales? Who's heard of that? Nobody's heard of that. Unless you like Alvin Schwartz. Yeah, so um, Alvin Schwartz, folks, if you look him up and find out uh, some of uh, what some of his books are and start reading, I think you are in for a surprise. You're going to find a new level of enjoyment in a new hobby reading Alvin Schwartz. Absolutely. With that, with that as our introduction, what are we going to hear tonight? So I, I've got uh, some short selections from uh, from Alvin Schwartz. One that I read last night, which I thought was just a great little story. And it's one that it's easy to remember, and it's very effective. If you have uh, younger children and you want to tell them a, a, a creepy story, but not a horrifying story, this is a good one. And and this is, this is just a little lesson in storytelling, all right? Um so we're going to go over this, okay? So pay pay close attention. If you need to get uh, a pen and paper, that's fine. Take some notes. Because in you the can, dark. In the dark. <laughs> All right, I, I would suggest this. Listen to it first. In the dark. Take some notes. And then tell the story yourself. Add your own spin to it. But it's it's a great one to use with kids because it's it's creepy, but it's not super scary. It's what we call a jump scare story. Okay. okay. All right, let me see if I can find my lightning sound over here. All right. This one is called In a Dark, Dark House. All right. In the dark, dark woods was a dark, dark house. 
In the dark, dark house was a dark, dark room. And in the dark, dark room was a dark, dark chest. And in the dark, dark chest was a dark, dark box. And inside of that dark, dark box, there was a ghost! <laughs> Again, very. are you okay? Yeah. You didn't lose some bladder control over there, did you? Holy moly. <laughs> That's just something to share with you. It's a, I read it last night because I found one of my Alvin Schwartz books, and it was for readers ages uh, four to seven. And it was such a simple little story. And I thought, how great is that? Because it's all about the buildup. You get, you start out at like a normal tone and you just bring it down lower. And it said, and it actually had directions because he was great about putting directions in his books to get lower and slower. Low and slow. Low and slow. And you can deepen your voice too. You know, you get really, really deep. And then, and then so you let it go. The, uh, Good storytelling techniques are there you go. absolutely what bring this story absolutely. to life. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I, that, that was just a little fun one I wanted to share with you. But again, we're going to be talking about some uh, urban legends. So I got two of them here from Alvin Schwartz. The first one we're going to do is The Red Spot. While Ruth slept, a spider crawled across her face. It stopped for several minutes on her left cheek and then went on its way. Is that a red spot on my cheek? She asked her mother the next morning. It looks like a spider bite, her mother said. It'll go away. Just don't scratch it. Soon, the small red sprout grew into a small red boil. Mm. Look at it now, Ruth said. It's getting bigger and it's sore. That sometimes happens, her mother said. It's coming to a head. In a few days, the boil will even, was even larger. Look at it now, Ruth said. It hurts and it's ugly. We'll have the doctor look at it, her mother said. Maybe it's infected. But the doctor could not see Ruth until the next day. That night, Ruth took a hot bath. As she soaked herself, the boil burst. Out poured a swarm of tiny spiders from the eggs their mother had laid in Ruth's cheek. <laughs> oh, now, uh, there's some variations to that story. Some that say that uh, the spider laid its eggs in a um, compact that the girl then, you know, mm -hmm. used uh, one of her brushes or whatever to apply blush to her cheek. And that put the eggs there. I mean, this this one goes back a while. This is an urban legend, though. We can we can go over some of the details on these later. But 
Oh, that one. I mean, if you are a high school student or a teenager and you start getting acne and you read this story, I guarantee you, you're going to be paranoid for a while because you're yeah. going to think any one of those red spots on your face could be the same. Could be infected with spider eggs. Oh. Could you imagine just sitting there in class and all of a sudden one of them bursts open in front oh. of everybody and these tiny little spiders start? Oh my goodness! I know there's some people right now they're going to. Yeah, I can. I understand what you're saying, and I'm right there with you because that that would be my same feelings as well. But this is not our only urban legend because the next one uh, is a cautionary st- uh, story, I-, I believe. You know, don't always assume that you are an animal expert. Let's just put it that way. This one is called Sam's New Pet. <laughs> Sam stayed with his grandmother when his parents went to Mexico for their vacation. We're going to bring you back something nice, his mother told him. It'll be a surprise. Before they came home, Sam's parents looked for something Sam would like. All they could find was a beautiful sombrero. Cost too much. But that afternoon, while they were eating their lunch in the park, they decided to buy the sombrero after all. Sam's father threw what was left of his sandwich to some stray dogs, and they walked back to the marketplace. One of the animals followed him. It was small, gray, and had short hair and short legs and a long tail. Wherever they went, it went. Isn't he cute, his mother said. He must be one of those uh, Mexican hairless dogs. You know, Sam would love him. It's probably somebody's pet, Sam's father said. They asked several people if they knew who the owners were, but nobody did. All they did was smile and shrug their shoulders. Finally, Sam's mother said, maybe he's just a stray. Let's take him home with us. We can give him a good home, and Sam will love him. You know, it's against the law to take pets across the border. Mm -hmm. But Sam's parents hid the animal in a box, (sighs) and no one saw it. When they got home, They showed it to Sam. He's a pretty small dog, said Sam. He's a Mexican dog, his father said. I'm not sure what kind. I think he's called a Mexican hairless. We'll find out, though. But he's nice, isn't he? They gave the new pet some dog food. They washed it, brushed it, and combed its fur. That night, It slept with Sam. Sam awoke the next morning and his pet was still there. Mom, he called. I think the dog has a cold. The animal's eyes were running and there was something white around its mouth. Later that morning, Sam's mom took the animal to the vet. Uh Uh-oh. Where did you get him? The vet asked. Uh, In Mexico, she said. Well, we think he's one of those, you know, uh, Mexican hairless. I was going to ask you about it, though. Well, he's not a hairless, the vet said. 
He's not even a dog. Mm. He's a sewer rat. Oh, God. A sewer rat? Yeah. And he has rabies. Oh. This is why you do not pick up stray animals if you don't know what it is. Oh, my goodness. From the fertile imagination of Alvin Schwartz. He delivers every, every time. single every time. time. And uh, thanks to the storytelling skills of uh, Mr. Gary here, um, we get to enjoy Alvin Schwartz on our podcast. There you go. Yeah, so uh, let's go into urban legends. Urban legends are stories. I like to equate them as being like tall tales, because they are. You know, we talk about Paul Bunyan or um, Annie Oakley, uh, I'm trying to think, um, John Henry. Uh, and these people were real people, but the exaggerations about these people is what ma makes them a tall tale. Mm-hmm. So, like Paul Bunyan, everybody said he was the tallest man, and him and Babe the Blue Ox carved out the Grand Canyon and all that with them wrestling around. And um, John Henry was, you know, so good at swinging a hammer, he knocked his way through a, a mountain mm -hmm. all the way to the other side. He beat a machine. Um, although some of these stories may have some grains of truth, there is a lot of exaggeration, which is the same thing with urban legends. So, some of these things may have happened, but not in the way that we think they may have happened. So some of them, like the red spot or the the whole thing with the pet, you know, it may not have been that the parents mistook the uh, the rat as a dog. They may have thought that the rat was cute and brought it back to their son because they're right. unliked rats right. or something. Right. Uh, or or the fact that somebody may have purchased a pet that somebody had gotten illegally from another country because that does happen. And that pet may have had rabies. So we don't know. Urban legends are, are plausible. Plausible. They, they, they probably had a true origin story. Yes, somewhere. that somehow got uh, exaggerated and, you know, mm -hmm. um, added more to it. Now, one of the ones that uh, has been around for a while, and I remember you telling it to me, is the hook. Now, the hook has many different versions uh, you put your little spin on it. Um, I'll never forget it. We were driving. It was at nighttime, and I believe it was that summer. We had spoken about this before. It was a summer where we drove across New Mexico because um, you were looking for a new career. It was before we settled in Roswell. And um, I'll never forget it. It was nighttime, and it was one of those nights where there were there were no clouds in the sky, and it was just open desert, nothing around us and uh you decided to tell us a scary story while we you were driving and you told us the story of the hook but what you did was you took some real life bad guys the tyson brothers and used a little bit of your experience of uh going on a raid to capture these escaped convicts who were held up in a uh, motel. But one of the brothers, uh, seeing that the police were there, and he had gone to get, uh, I don't know, I think you said food or something like that, or supplies or something, something to that nature, saw that the police had gotten to the motel and was arresting uh, the one brother. And so he went into the woods. And uh, 
you were doing, let's see, no, you weren't at the raid. You you said that the police were doing the raid, unbeknownst to you, because you were uh, doing a camping trip with your um, Boy Scout troop, and there were some funny noises, and the kids got freaked out, so they asked to sleep in the station wagon, and then in the middle of the night, there was some kind of scratching, and uh, you decided to leave, and there was this howl of you know something, something in the woods. And when you got back and you were dropping the kids off at their house because they were all terrified of, you know, what had happened, but they didn't know what it was, uh, you saw that there was a hook stuck in the door and uh, you had remembered that one of the Tyson brothers was missing a hand. And uh, that hotel was not too far away from the campground that you guys were at. (laughs) And just as you said that, you smacked the roof of the car, which sent both Amber and I into panic because then you said what's that on top of the roof of the car and that was it we uh got thoroughly terrified because freaked, freaked you out yeah we were because we were so engaged in the story and then when you hit the the ceiling of the car and said what's on top of the car that scared the living daylights out of us. imagination right ran wild but that story of the hook has been around forever that was your spin on it but there are other stories similar that somebody had escaped from a jail or that there had been some robbery or something that happened and the the person uh, who committed this crime had a hook. And so it's an urban legend. It may have happened at some point, something similar to this, that some convict... Uh, with you know prosthetic was on the run the to be on the lookout and then people exaggerated uh and and added to that story uh, i mean there's that one and there's uh ones with um you know the gators in the sewer we live in florida so yeah there's probably gators in our sewer but are there alligators in the new york sewers we don't know that you know people say that they flush them down the little tiny alligators are so cute until they start getting big so they flush them down the toilet because they don't want to deal with that responsibility but now there's a swarm of alligators in the sewers of new york you know urban legends do you uh, remember any urban legends from when you were a kid no um the one about the hook i had heard back in the uh, 1960s and um and uh then uh the version that i told you was about 30 years later uh-huh. Um, and it was at a time when, as you say, the uh, Tyson gang was running around in the Southwest, and they were, I mean, they were putting a big scare in people. Uh, they were actually coming upon campers or people at rest stops and just cold-bloodedly murdering them. Right, and right. So, <laughs> so it lends itself perfectly to scaring your two kids right. out of their mind. So I just glued the two together, the real-life Tyson brothers uh-huh. on a... Uh, homicidal rampage uh-huh. and this urban legend of the hook and boy they fit neatly together that, that they you've, did uh, remembered that story to this day no, i did not forget that <clears throat> so yeah that's how ur- urban legends gr- uh, start and grow that's true it was hyperbole right hyperbole is when you add or exaggerate a story to to make it more interesting and that's pretty much what that is i'm sure any of our listeners out there wherever you are um, probably have your own very interesting urban legends. Oh yeah, and I, you know, we have we have uh, countries uh, all over 
that that listen to this podcast. We you know, I, we've got people in Australia, we've got people in Germany and uh, South Africa, India, uh, the Philippines. I mean, all over the place. And I'm sure that you all have your own urban legends, yes. stories that have been passed down to you that uh, that chilled you to the bone when you were a child or had some kind of uh, moral message or something, you know, that a reason why you shouldn't be out so late or why you shouldn't do something. Everybody does. Everybody does. So I, I say to you, if you have a great urban legend, Share it with your uh, friends and family. Maybe take a moment to, to be a storyteller. Put away your phones, your tablets, your computers. You know, this is a perfect way to bond with your kids or uh, your nieces and nephews. Make it a point. I tell you what, find some time this week, you know, to have a little get-together with your friends or family in the evening. Maybe go outside around the fire pit or turn off the lights and have everybody put their stuff away. Sit down and tell a good story. Think of a good urban legend or something that, uh, a, a, a classic ghost story that you know or that you loved, something that uh, really stuck with you for a long time. Sit down and make that environment creepy. You know, turn down the lights. It doesn't have to be extreme. You don't have to do anything other than turn down the lights. Maybe take a flashlight with you. Make it just one light source or light a candle, something. Get everybody in that room. Get everything dead quiet. No music, nothing. And tell that story. Make it interesting. Start out low or at a normal room voice. Get low and slow. Really build up those moments in the story where things start to get exciting. I guarantee you all will have a lot of fun. We, do, we did this with my son, who's three, Oliver. And uh, and he loves listening to stories. So we do the little creepy stories. And then I'll say, hey, Oliver, do you want to tell a story? And you'll be surprised. Uh, the kids always want to tell a story. And they'll try and copy your story. And the story may end up lasting an hour because they're just trying to come up with whatever they can out of their head. And that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes we have to say wrap it up. But uh, but it's funny watching them because he doesn't know what he really, you know, what he's putting into his story. It might be something crazy like purple alligators eating a octopus. I don't know. But he'll do the little voice. And he'll go like this. And then he'll go, and then. <laughs> and it, just, it cracks me up. So I, I guarantee you, if you take the time to do that in your week, you'll all have a lot of fun. You're going to build memories. And you're passing on yeah. uh, a tradition, a human tradition, telling stories. Storytelling. Yeah. Power. There's power in storytelling. It really is. And here in the United States, we even have storytelling conferences. And oh uh, yeah. And so uh, maybe where you are, there's also uh, organized storytelling events. But this is something that if uh, if you're saying, "Wow, this might be something I'd like to pursue," pursue it. We guarantee it will enrich your life. Oh yeah. There's there's nothing like it. I'm telling you. And and it's I think it's addicting because uh, whenever whenever I do stories at camp this will be my first year going back to camp after uh you know being away during the pandemic for two years um there's something about watching all of those faces just locked in on you engaged in the story and man when they get into it they get into it and when you get the right kind of reaction from people whether it's a laugh or a scare 
it, nothing beats it. I'm telling you, nothing beats it at all. It's it's just it's fun. It is fun. And I guarantee you, you all have fun too. So, well, as for right now, that's all we have to share with you today. But believe me, and we'll be back. Hopefully, it'll make a little bit of a difference in your life. I'm Richard, and I'm Gary, and these were some fun, exciting stories. <laughs>